Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We might just be in France, but this is global. These players are icons, their stories are noble. In fact, each story into the game is golden. It's way more than just a game. It's a player's story into the pitch and all that she overcame. It's football 2019 and this is its brand new face. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Yo, welcome to the show. My name is Monkey. And I'm Heath. And this is Football Inside Out, a podcast from Copa 90. Uh, we're coming to you every day from the Copa 90 Clubhouse in Paris, bringing you all the excitement from the 2019 Women's World Cup in France. And you are not going to believe what we have in store for you today. We speak with New Zealand's Ali Riley, the captain of the national team. Ellie Minjim gives us the inside score and everything you really need to know about New Zealand. But first off, we have a little recap from last night's matches as part of the five things that you need to know on and off the pitch going into every single day. Football Inside Out by Copper 90. Number one of the five things you need to know going into every day. Argentina got their first ever points at a World Cup. It's first time avoiding a loss. Big up Argentina. Yeah, apparently gave up 33 goals prior to Jeez. today. It's not only that, it was against Japan as well, ranked seventh in the world. Argentina are ranked 30. Places later, 37th. Wow. So number two, Japan were very underwhelming, at least in my opinion. I thought going into today that maybe Scotland could get some points against Argentina, but they were scrappy. They looked good. And now I feel like that second place spot is up for grabs. Yeah, I feel like the group's wide open now. Um, it was a nil-nil draw and they weren't really fast-paced. Not the fast-paced passing that we used to. Yeah. I think Scotland. I want Scotland and England to go through. That's yeah. what I want to happen. But I, I'm afraid it's the end of a reign of Japan of sort of superiority because so. they were unimpressive though they I'm were. judging them after the first game and it's important to manage uh, group play yeah. you're not always going to be your best you want to continue to get better throughout a tournament right? Argentina were aggressive and yeah. I think that's what the key was yeah because they weren't really that impressive really either yeah there weren't many chances yeah but they know they're not going to be necessarily impressive that's they true. just they their their path is going to be different than say a Japan who has all the pressure on them right? yeah and they, they they were so happy like a few yeah. of them like dropped to the floor with happiness yeah which is Makes cool sense. to see number three yep VAR could have been used in the Canada-Cameroon match, 
uh, on the goal that they scored. But it was not. It was not. And I don't know if they're allowed to, but I would assume they're allowed to. They should be able to review after a goal. The goalkeeper was obstructed and could not get to the ball. I don't know if she could have gotten to the ball, but she definitely didn't get there. She was obstructed and a goal was scored. Can VAR be used for for every goal scored? Is that an option? I think between that and the next whistle, they can they hold can it and then and then ask to be reviewed. Do, who has to ask? I think they can recommend you take a look. Yeah. And I think the central referee can also ask, should I take a look? Well, no one asked. Yeah. That was the point. Number four, uh, seventh nil-nil draw in World Cup history, Japan versus Argentina. Wow. Seventh. Seventh. It's actually an unbelievable statistic. You would never think that there's only been seven times in, in history since what 91 right yeah and the last one was in 2015 sweden versus usa yeah do you know what that means what it means people need to work on the defense yeah <laughs> there's a lot of goals yeah but you don't sit and tell me that football's not entertaining if you've only got seven of these since 1991 that's very very give true. the people what they want especially american fans they want action score I want goals. goals i want goals 92 to 93 nba score i'll be don't. happy you want a hard for defensive line yeah until i start seeing goals and i'm like yeah this is great yeah <laughs> All right, and today we are looking forward. Yes, New Zealand play against the Netherlands, or Holland, if you call them that. Uh, Chile play against Sweden and US against Thailand. Who are you rooting for in these two games? One of them is very obvious, of course. Um, I'd like to see New Zealand play well, obviously beat England in their lead up. I'd like to see Sweden and the US come out strong because I can't wait for that matchup in like a week's time. Okay, well, we're both rooting for the same teams then. Wow, finally on the same side, I love it. Football Inside Out by Copper90. What an exciting day. Absolutely. Incredible day. Another exciting day. What day are we in now? I feel like we've been here for a while. Well, all I know is it started last Friday, the World Cup. Mm-hmm. We obviously arrived a day or two in advance. So, five. 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 It's been five days. I wow. feel like I'm practically French. How are you, by the way? We've, we've, we've had so many fun, cool features so far that we haven't actually gotten a chance to chat i'm good yeah well, we've got a chance to chat but we haven't got a chance to chat about it each other yeah uh, yeah i'm really good i'm enjoying paris um my french is coming on a little bit yeah i spoke to someone in french today ordering a pan au chocolat and they did not reply to me on in english all right so since you did that let's hear what you said <laughs> de pan au chocolat s'il vous plaît Woo. and then bonjour au revoir Wow, that was right, impressive. Yeah. That's plenty of words. How are you getting on? Wait, so they didn't, they didn't respond back to you? No, no English. I know okay. they responded to me in, in French, but no English, which yeah. I was it's, pretty it's, chuffed with. It is pretty arrogant of us as English speakers to assume everybody has learned enough to communicate back with us. Yeah, I know. It is a bad thing that we assume, because most people in the US don't speak any other language. Now, if you go near to, you go near the border states, then obviously you'll get a lot more Spanish, but... A lot of people don't speak anything but English. Yeah, I know. The thing is, though, when I do try and speak another language, quite often people do just reply to me in English because they're just like, You're, that's rubbish. And maybe they feel a bit sorry for me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I now speak... You multi- speak like four languages. Yeah, I speak Portuguese, German, Spanish, and I mean, English is my best language. <laughs> uh, but when I was living in Copenhagen, I lived there for two and a half years, right? And mm. I tried so hard regularly yeah to learn the language so i could understand it and even if i go now i can understand it but i tried to learn to speak it and they're so prideful of their education and ability to speak multiple languages that when i was there every time i'd go into a restaurant and be like i've got this this is you know i, I i'm in on this 
as soon as I'd let out a message in Danish, they'd just switch to English and go like, how can I help you? Like, yeah. what do you want? Yeah. And it was actually detrimental to learning the language. Not that Danish is the most important language to learn. You know, there's only, it'd be me and like 5 million other people in the world that speak it. But I, I actually did try, but they're so good at English. They would just switch and go like, all right, give up the dream then. Why, Talk to me Why English. Portuguese? Why do you speak Portuguese? Okay. This is actually interesting, but well, I, thought, I find it interesting anyway. Maybe the listeners will too. Maybe you will. Oh. Uh, when I was actually living in Germany, when I was playing in the Bundesliga in Germany, I didn't know any German and there was Brazilians on the team mm -hmm. and I spoke Spanish at the time. So every day somebody would translate what the coach or whatever instruction was being given from German to English to tell me, I would think in Spanish and then just try to put like a Portuguese accent <laughs> on the end of it to the Brazilians. <laughs> well, naturally they understood enough to know that like we should follow him around. So for the first six months, I felt like I wasn't learning any German, which I was, you just don't know it. Um, and I was just, I had these three Brazilians by my side every single day asking me to translate things right. for them. So naturally over time you started to understand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Naturally over time you started to understand Portuguese and pick it up. And I just started spending a lot of time just taking the Spanish roots and learning the Portuguese version of it. Mm. Um, in a ver very Brazilian type of more slang type way. And then over time that then playing with more Brazilians or other people, you just start to pick it up. Like Marta, for example, I've, mm -hmm. I've done an all Portuguese interview with her. Oh, no way. I yeah. did not know that. Yeah. Where can, where is that? When uh, did you do that? It's, uh, we did it a couple years ago. We went to spend a couple days with the Orlando Pride. Mm -hmm. So we had a show at the time called Walk Talk Football, just like a walking casual conversation. Yeah. And we did the whole thing in Portuguese. I also did it with That's Cafu cool. in Portuguese. That's in Portuguese. so cool. Yeah. It tested me. In real time. I struggle with those things anytime we've gone to, even in Spanish, which yeah. I'm probably best at, when you have to change it from like conversational language to like cultural nuance. So going down to like Medellin and talking about violence and things like that, you want to ask the questions in a very like polite way. Yeah. And that's yeah. where you start to struggle because you try to turn it into a proper conversation. But generally, I could go into those countries and survive no problem and never feel like I'm missing something. And I tell people the way my language is with that is I wouldn't know anything that I don't regularly say in English. Like somebody was like, talk to me about the parts of this car. I'd be like, I don't know those words in English. Right, so why right, would right. I know them in yeah, another language yeah. type of thing? I'm not bilingual. I wish I was though. My, is my, half my family can speak uh, Tagalog, which is yeah. uh, Filipino. Yeah. A lot of Spanish words, yeah. actually, because obviously Spain ruled for a very, very long time. So all our surnames are... Spanish, yeah. Hernandez, Riviera, and then De los Reyes. Literally, like of, even of the, the first kings. names, yeah. Lucy, Maria, all yeah. all sort of Spanish names. But yeah, I'm not bilingual, unfortunately. On my football team, we've got about over ten nationalities on my football team, which I think is pretty cool because it's not obviously not the biggest club in the world. Some clubs are a lot lot bigger, but yeah, I think that's cool. I think that's like very symbolic of London, which is where we're based. Yeah. Has anything been surprising for you since you've been in France? Um, Not surprising warm. or pleasantly surprising. Anything that's just... The weather. Yeah. Yeah, it's been raining nonstop. Yeah. I honestly was like, packed about six pairs of shorts, a couple of pairs of trousers or pants, as you say in the States, and it's just rained. Wow. But apart from that, nothing too surprising. Okay. You've, you've probably been to Paris quite a bit, I've been though. to... Paris is a place that you go, if you're from the UK, that's like your big first school trip, like like out of the country if right. you go out of the country it would be paris probably because okay. it's literally like going to liverpool yeah it takes like two hours have you been uh getting into any of the cuisine here i've eaten a lot of bread yeah 
I've eaten quite a bit of cheese. On the scale of one to ten, on those two things, how much bread? Not not how much, how good. I is mean, it? yeah, yeah. I try not to eat too much bread anyway. Yeah. But it just it just gets put in your face here. Yeah. You want bread with that? Yeah. You want bread with that? Yeah. You want bread with cereal? It's really good. Bread though. for breakfast. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah. Well, I went to breakfast two days ago, and they just kept bringing more baguettes out, and I thought that you know. A lot of times when you go to Europe, you'll get like bread and then they'll give you like one little thing of butter and one little like it's, it's very much more proportion compared to the US where like if you order more, you pay more here right. in, in most places in Europe. Right. So if you wanted a little thing of jam, like they bring you a thing, of, like if you want jam, they bring you a little tiny thing. You yeah. open it and you'd use it. If you wanted more, you had to pay for more. Whereas in the US, you'd just be like more syrup and they just bring you like <laughs> loads of syrup. Like it's ne- it's like almost like that part of the order is like a never ending yeah so with the bread thing i was kind of shocked that they just kept bringing more bread without ordering and i was just like we should have just not ordered anything and just kept putting butter and jam on this wait so you don't need to pay for the extra bread no they just kept bringing it out surprisingly yeah we've discovered a little bakery down the road from the clubhouse haven't we yeah that we've every single one of us has pretty much been to multiple times while we were setting up right now i just went down there is that where you went to yeah well what did you come back with uh i hid it uh, for the sake of continuity. Is it the, 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 what you've been talking about this whole time? The, like the almond thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's different today. It was massive before, but I think... Is it shaped like a penis? Today is a holiday, right? Is it a holiday here? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a holiday. So I feel like they, they kind of like shortchanged everyone knowing that there was going to be a lot of foot traffic, oh. made them smaller, different shape, probably still equally as delicious. I haven't eaten it yet. Yeah, just to put context to my, what I just said then, it's a bakery in... Uh, I guess like Paris's version of Soho, I guess, right. uh, like the gay quarter. And yep. there's a lot of penis shaped baked goods. Yeah. Everywhere around here. Everywhere like, around here. That's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, like one of their like staples for the neighborhood. Should we talk football? Yeah. All right. So, I feel like I'm caught up by the way, <laughs> on the last four or five days of, of, of life here in Paris. Are we going to get into our first icons? going to get into Ali Riley. So Ali Riley is the captain of New Zealand, the Ferns. I had the pleasure of meeting her at our 50-50 icons sort of art, what's the word I'm looking for? Display. Exhibit. That we, yeah, exhibit that we did in London. And she's lovely, really, really nice. And then I saw her again in Brighton just before they played England and won 1-0. So here she is. This is Ali Riley. Copper 90 icons. It's kind of funny, you know, being somewhat of you know in the media and being the captain and you know opening my mouth and people are like you don't sound like you're from New Zealand in the beginning it was weird playing against the U.S. and playing against my college friends playing against my teammates that I played professionally with in the U.S. but sporting wise football wise I identify so much as a football fern I am Allie Riley I'm from Los Angeles California although I play for the New Zealand national team My dad is a New Zealander, he's from Christchurch, and I have had a citizenship since I was a baby. And then, you know, I never was in with the Olympic development squad or anything like that in the US growing up. Yeah, started getting some interest from colleges and started thinking that, you know, maybe football is something that I could pursue. And at the same time, I got invited to trial with the New Zealand under 20 national team. The New Zealand Federation started investing in their women's side and made it the first ever under 20 team and I made that team and we played the first under 20 World Cup 
and then the next year was the 2007 World Cup in China. People say you could have waited and seen how college went and seen if you got picked up by the women's national team, the US women's national team, but I just, I actually don't know if I've met anyone who would turn down going to a World Cup. So I didn't and played for the full national team in 2007 and the rest is history. Oh gosh, I think playing football has taught me everything I know aside from kind of, you know, the book smarts that I used to have in high school and in college. I mean, it's made me the person I am from being on a team with other girls and my mom is not the most, wasn't super comfortable talking about certain things that you need to teach your kids. So I think I probably learned everything about my body, about sex, about how to use a tampon, you know, from my teammates. And I think that's why, whether you play at the highest level, I think being on a team with other girls who are, you know, doing the same thing as you, whether you're similar at all in terms of your interests outside, for that two hours, however many times a week, you know, the things you talk about, relationships, boys, girls, whatever, being comfortable with myself, being comfortable with my body, having confidence, that all came from playing. Yeah, so my podcast is called Girls With Balls, obviously a play on words and you know mostly my guests are female football players although not exclusively we'll see where it goes in the future but the whole point behind it is to give female athletes or just strong females a voice and a platform for them to brag a little bit basically I just wanted to inspire young girls whether they play football or not to be able to follow their dreams and to have these strong, amazing female role models and to hear about their lives. We're in a weird time right now because I think the goal and what we're pushing for is that one day it's a choice, that female athletes don't have to have something else that they're doing. But right now, while we are doing it, I think it's really important that we embrace it and that we talk about it. When you do have eyes on you like we do, which is great, and more than, more than ever before as females, that why not use that to do something good? I'm really excited for the tournament in general, of course, and I'm excited to see how we can do against a team like the Netherlands. We had them in the last World Cup, as we did Canada. It'll be interesting to see. I think they've developed a lot since four years ago, but I think we have as well. I think they have some players who are at the top of their game right now. I think they will have high expectations. I think they'll be confident going into their game against us. But, you know, I think it's going to be a really good test for us. And the pressure is definitely not on us. And yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what we can do. And I think obviously we really want to get out of the group and we have to beat Cameroon. And then, you know, we need to get at least a point off one of those other two teams. A win would be ideal. So I think, yeah, I think we will definitely be prepared, um, but I know that they're going to be really good. These are the icons. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. She's really cool. Yeah. Have you met her before? I haven't, she's, but she's, I want to. Yeah, yeah. She's really, really cool. Uh, like I said, I spent a bit a time with her at our event and then saw her at the training um they're training just before the england game where they won one nil um and it was really really interesting watching them train actually i've never actually watched an international squad train yeah. before and obviously there's a lot it's a lot more open than like a men's international squad would be we got to we did get to watch the whole thing wow usually it's only like 15 minutes yeah, and then you I get mean. like ushered off because then the secrets happen, you know. The secrets get yeah. leaked. Sorry, all those controversial, like, spying things happen during, like, closed quarters. We used to go down to um, qualifiers, uh, and you'd always have what looked like spies in the stadiums. <laughs> because it wasn't so much, it was more of what you were looking for is, is starting lineups, right? Yeah. So if you were going through set pieces or any sort of general play, if one of the teams, and, and the coaches would always like rotate quickly so that you couldn't really see what the starting lineup was going to be. Yeah. We could know, or like working on set pieces, things like that, that you were you might roll out against the team you were playing against. That's what you're trying to, to hide from people. What like what do you mean you'd see like spies? You see, were they wearing like trench coats like, and like a fake mustache? No, 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 no that's way too <laughs> obvious. It's like uh, people like up sweeping the top row no for like the way. fourth time. Really? Things like that. I don't know if they were actually spies, but it was relatively open to. It was closed. Yeah. But you could tell that there were people there, so it would disrupt more than anything, just disrupt the coach's plans to have, to work on a few things, to like start to roll out your starting team, move, like have a little bit of shape because then you'd have a pretty good idea. Yeah. Because it's a mystery, right? If you're preparing for a match and you allow people to see everything, you're going to have a pretty good idea of how to tactically prepare for them yeah, versus yeah. if you're going to play a different formation or certain players aren't starting, that type of stuff. You know, obviously you want to give as many tools as possible to your team to to beat the other team. So New Zealand are faced up in a group of Netherlands, Cameroon and Canada. This is a pretty hard group, you know, Canada and Netherlands, both very good teams. Cameroon, I think, made it to the finals at Africa Cup of Nations for women's, but got beat by Nigeria. In 2016. Yep, a couple of years ago, but I think they've improved since then, obviously. I think think to prove a point, they're going to have to beat either Netherlands or Canada, aren't they? Yeah, I think they finished third at this one. Um, I think it was South Africa in the final with... Nigeria but yeah it's going to be a tough go for them not to shift the subject too much but she quickly chatted about the opportunities of playing for the U.S. versus New Zealand right yeah 
how hard must that be for somebody raised in a place, heritage from another place to decide between the two? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the idea of going to a World Cup or a guaranteed spot on a World Cup team means a lot. But from more of a personal standpoint, right, of, of the criticisms of her choosing to play for another country that could come mm-hmm. or where kind of her heart stands between her and her, and her family. Because we see that a lot with the U.S. and Mexico. So sort of a lot of the Mexican-American players in the U.S., of having to choose between playing for Mexico or playing for the U.S. because you have family that's m- maybe much more connected to your heritage and maybe you're first or second generation American, you're still very much Mexican or you're f- still very much tied to your heritage and just having to choose between what your family wants, what you want and kind of what's right for you in your career. Yeah, I think it's a lot more of a... You see it a lot more in the women's game, I feel like. Or maybe that's because we're learning more about the players. But it just it does seem that way. Like, you'll hear someone playing for a team, but they'll have, like, an accent from a completely different country. And you're like, okay, how, well, obviously, you're one of your parents is from the country that you're playing for. But in the men's game, you don't see it as much. I know Eric Dyer could have played for Portugal. Wow. But he plays for England. I think maybe his mum was Portuguese or something, yeah. and he had a Portuguese what? passport. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think it happens a lot in the U.S. because when Jurgen Klinsmann came on, they had to increase the scouting, right? So we yeah. found that we had a number of German-Americans. We started to have a large contingency of German-Americans that were born in Germany or born in the U.S. A lot of them are like uh, from military families, American right. military families, raised their whole life in Germany, barely spoke English, uh, many of them when they came into the national team, but started playing for, for the U.S. national team, as well as the Mexican-American connection. You have a lot of that. It's a major, major talking point in the U.S. Yeah, especially. I, th- I think it would be a hard decision to make. What she said was that um, she just got the opportunity to go to a World Cup earlier right. than maybe expected if she was going to go and play for the women's national team for right. the States. So she just took it upon herself to just like go for it. That's a hard decision because it's like, do I wait it out, maybe play for this country that I've grown up in, or do I just go now? Because it's really exciting what an opportunity to take. Well, and obviously once you could commit you can't really like go back and be like actually i'm gonna go play for the states now right and on a personal level no one has the right to sort of tell you how more or less patriotic you are at any point which is a major thing obviously happening around the world with sort of this nationalist right uprising in many other countries that doesn't make her any less american playing for new zealand yeah no or any less new zealand or Fern or what's the <laughs> Kiwi Kiwi yeah, Kiwi, yeah. then uh, playing for uh, the US so it was interesting what she's saying about like um, the team being her family as well like I, for, for those I guess that have never played in a team environment in a sports team it's I f- feel like it's hard to explain to them what it's like to have a very close team some teams aren't actually that close at all they turn up they play football they don't really hang out outside of that and and that's it but like I've, I've played for teams all my life the team that I'm in with now is definitely the closest I've been to everyone and it is it is literally like an extended family it's it's kind of a bizarre feeling yeah it's a support system it's yeah. an infrastructure yeah. it's it's like she said like she learned everything that she didn't learn from her family because of uh, whether it's conservative or the comfort level within the family she learned through her peers playing in team sports should we learn a little bit more about New Zealand let's do it this is inside school 
New Zealand head to their fifth World Cup and France represents the fourth of which will feature their current captain and Chelsea star Ali Riley, who in the one tournament she didn't play in was still in attendance as an 11-year-old supporter of her beloved team. But despite the Kiwis becoming a regular feature of the past two decades of the tournament, the football ferns, as they're known in New Zealand, are still yet to pick up a single victory in the tournament and will be hoping their qualifying campaign form, which saw them win five from five, albeit against Oceana Minnows, will continue into France. Whilst the football fans will be desperately hoping that France is the tournament, they finally break their winless World Cup curse, things haven't got off to the best start, as the entire setup has spent most of the lead up to the tournament mired in one of the ugliest coaching scandals in the women's game. And for anyone who's been following the women's game recently, they'll know that with everything that's gone down in the dugouts from Canada to England, Cameroon to Australia, that's certainly some achievement. You see, whilst the coaching scandals that have plagued such setups as England and Australia are still mired in confidentiality agreements and hearsay and rumours, the crisis that has enveloped the New Zealand women's camp has all played out in the open as 13 of the players signed a governing letter refusing to play for Austrian manager Andreas Heraf, barely a year into his role as head coach. Heraf was just as publicly critical in his response, telling the media, the players oppose my British style with high standards and high expectations of professionalism. They prefer a fun and family culture with a focus on making fun videos and opening up to social networking. Inside, Inside school. Obviously needing to get rid of Haraf and replace him, the football ferns have brought in ex-Australia and USA head coach Tom Samani, whose experience in the tournament will hopefully help the ferns to their first ever victory. Not that Haraf's convinced, of course, where he also told the media, four World Cups and they've never won a game, yet on the other hand, there's this incredible belief that they can win everything. If the Kiwis are to break their curse and finally win a World Cup match, the inspiration will most likely come from former national captain Abby Ursik, who's returned to international duty a year after a controversial exit that saw the North Carolina Courage star quit in protest at a lack of support from the National Federation and as a protest at funding cuts brought upon by the Kiwis' failure to make it out of the Rio 2016 group stage. Whilst the Kiwis' chaos in the lead-up to the tournament may be seen as a burden to most squads, with their previous four appearances at the tournament all void of controversy yet still resulting in continuous disappointment, perhaps a little crisis and controversy is needed to unite the squad and create a siege mentality that can finally lead the football ferns to their very first World Cup win and possibly even a third place finish. Yeah, never won a World Cup game. That's bonkers. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be cheering on New Zealand today, I think. Yeah, it's exciting. And I think Abby Ersig is an example of what people thought Otta Hegeberg would be when they were able to drive things forward and come back into the fold again after sort of protesting, walking away, and then coming back as, as progress started to be made. Also, Tom Sermani, you spent a little time with him, right? Yeah, he's, he's an extremely interesting character. So I interviewed him for this podcast. Um, so you'll hear from him at some point during the next sort of 20 days, 25 days. Yeah, he's uh, actually a Scottish Scottish guy, older Scottish guy. Scotland. 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 He has some really honest answers about the women's game. So yeah. I'm, I'm excited for you guys to hear that interview. Now I'm like, let's roll, let's, let's roll that. Roll it now. No, we don't um, have it. I also, I also met Abby Ersig as well. Really? Yeah. And she's a, she's a wicked character. Super, super dedicated. If you follow her on Instagram, she will make you feel like the laziest person alive. She's literally in the gym outside of football every day like I, I came back from the gym and I'd been there for about three hours and I looked at her Instagram and I was just like I might go for a run yeah. <laughs> I didn't but yeah, yeah she's extremely dedicated and um, a really sort of down to earth cool person 
Yeah, those people, the overachievers, so to speak, really uh, start by motivating me, and then I ultimately feel depressed because I'd be like, even when during my playing career, I'd be like heading home at two o'clock, and be like, full shift today, man, long day. I'm heading home to take a nap, and there'd be somebody in the gym just like going after it. I'm like, wow. Yeah, they're always those characters, aren't yeah. they? That stay and do that little bit extra. Yeah. Ronaldo is that kind of character. He is crazy. Not Fat Ronaldo, the other Ronaldo, Cristiano other Ronaldo. Ronaldo. <laughs> yeah, uh, he he was on the other end of the spectrum. But yeah, uh, I had heard from a guy, Tim Howard, who was a goalkeeper for the national team yeah. forever. Played with him at United when he was younger, uh, and he was like, at that time, he was saying like he couldn't play for any, like couldn't whip a ball in for anything. But he spent all day in the gym, and he spent all day after training learning to like whip a good ball in. Right, obviously. Oh, that somehow paid off, right? Yeah, that is weird because, like, that is the sort of player that he's like, maybe not born naturally with the best talent, but has spent so much time on the training ground in yeah. extra hours and so much time in the gym. He's just an absolute like machine now. Obviously, he had some raw talent at the beginning, but it's like he's worked extra, extra, extra hard for it. Yeah. They did a test on him, and apparently, he has like the body of like a twenty-three-year-old. Yeah, yeah, he's not slowing down anytime soon. He doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. Like. You know when you say they, they get a bit slow, maybe they can't jump as high, they can't track back. Like, literally, nothing has changed. Yeah, but don't you also think somebody like him... He's a robot. ...who's obviously, like, full of controversy off the pitch right now uh, for very bad things. But a, a, a guy like him has access to science that some of us don't yeah. financially. Yeah. Like, basically, like, becoming a guinea pig for, like, cinegenics or whatever, where you basically reverse aging and things like that, where like the PRP injections and all those types of things yeah. that you have access to that are f pretty much for people with a certain level of income can do regularly. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally, totally. Even like sitting in um, what are those chambers called, the ice chambers. Like the cryo chambers. Cryo, cryo chambers, they've yeah. opened them up in London now for yeah. like people to, to use if, if you... If you have you ever tried it? Um, I haven't, no. I've only sat in a bin full of ice, yeah. which is as fancy as it gets. But you can use those now in London. You don't have to be like an athlete. But it's literally like £200 for like 15 minutes. Is it that expensive? It's that expensive, wow. yeah. It's been going on for the last four or five years in the US. Yeah. They have individual places that have like therapy centers that have them now, but like sports facilities will have them. Right. Uh, they're starting to put them into like... You know, I'm sure. I'm sure Real Madrid has them installed at the training grounds now. It's a, it's a it's a regular thing. It's a pretty intense experience, but it's only like six to eight minutes. Yeah, uh, yeah. that you do it, and it's rough. Yeah, I think quite a lot of football um, clubs now have them at their own thing. Yeah. I played when I played down at Fulham. I played against Fulham last season. Even they had they had one as well. Yeah. Like it looked like a porter cabin, but it was like a cryo chamber inside. But yeah, no, I've sat in a sort of London green wheelie bin of ice. Really? Yeah. Those are fun, though. I mean, so old school. They're not that you know? fun, are they? They're not fun. But I, I was thinking it would be fun to do a, a, a quiz type of show where you did uh, cold tubs. And with every question you got wrong, you jump, dump a bit more uh, ice into it. Uh, yeah. Like shock factor. But you have to like dump it onto your back, obviously. You have to feel <gasps> a shock immediately, and then it gets colder. No. Yeah. Are you a sauna guy? Not really. I like a steam room hmm. from time to time. But saunas hurt me. Really? Yeah. Why? Just, it's just too much. It's too much. That is too hot. Your nostrils start to sting. As yeah, at one point, it's at just, point. it's not that <laughs> enjoyable to me. I mean, I guess there, there is like thousands of years of proven benefits to yeah. saunas. What's better post 
uh, workout for recovery though? Is it ice or is it heat or is it oh, a combination of both? This Isn't is the this never is ending a never debate. Ending yeah. debate yeah. I mean, this is the funny thing is even talking about health going back. So like Ronaldo and Tom Brady in the NFL have this like anti-inflammatory diet where they don't eat certain things. They don't drink any liquids within certain hours of their meals to allow like proper digestion and not any sort of disruption to die. Yeah. like really, really intensely stuff. We're like, shit. yeah, I remember early on in my career, it was like carb loading, right? So yeah. night before the game, you got to get that pasta in and Pizza. then it's like slowly shifted to like low carb diets are more of the thing where yeah. you're relying more on the energy sources internally versus the food that you feed it. And that carbing would happen three, four days out, not the night before day of the match yeah. and all that type of stuff. And then the heat, Versus, like, they were saying that ice is the right thing to, to, to kill inflammation, but they're saying heat actually increases blood flow, which increases yeah. the ability to heal, heal. Yeah. quicker and send blood to the areas that need it to recover versus ice, which pushes it away uh, and does, like, short-term kind of problem-solving for, like, inflammation or any right. sort of swelling. Right. So I don't have the answer. Oh, God, Maybe Nadia Nadim has the answer. She's only one class away from becoming a doctor oh yeah but a surgeon i mean she'll probably better have, have, have a better answer yeah. <laughs> still you, i can't believe you just yeah but it's a surgeon, uh, surgeon. yeah yeah it's, a surgeon. yeah it's not <laughs> yeah but a there's nurse. a specialty to that she's not she doesn't know about the blood flow yeah i am intrigued because sometimes i go into like the sauna after workout and i'm like should i be taking a cold shower i don't really know but i prefer heat so i'm gonna sit in the sauna yeah i don't know it's just funny how fast sports science moves because it could be a couple years from now where they're like this was actually like hugely damaging to yeah. people's careers yeah. hey i've got some numbers for you okay should we get into them yeah let's get back to football let's get back to football well it's just kind of you know loosely based around football oh, but the no. first one is football 6.1 million 6.1 million yeah. is honestly i think i i knew this one on. already something to do with bbc yeah and uh tv ratings for the first match of the England women's team yes so that is how many people tuned into the BBC to watch England's opening game against Scotland and the previous high uh, was 4 million so we've that's amazing I got that one right almost sort of ding 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 Uh, okay 320 320 is maybe a a traveling contingent of away fans that have traveled from one of the smaller countries no 320 baguettes are eaten every second in France wow yeah that's amazing and 10 billion are consumed every year 10 billion yeah well i've contributed about 14 so far <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. i'm well on the way to increasing <laughs> that number this summer uh 1920 1920 uh was uh the year that uh the f- first year of the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> no. when was the first it was, i think it was, it was in like, like the 90s, in 90, yeah, <laughs> yeah when yeah, it was yeah. officially called the Premier League. yeah <laughs> no 1920 was france's first international women's match against dick kerr's ladies uh and the french side lost 2-0 in front of 25,000 people who is dick kerr's ladies uh dick kerr's ladies is a team in the uk which i think I mean, you might have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think was a football team that was um, put together around uh, a factory. And okay. Dick Kerr was the factory, wow. I think. I can't believe you know that. I was actually expecting you to be like, let me get back to you on that. Well you done. know what? I'm going to fact check that and come back to you on tomorrow's podcast. A wealth of almost knowledge, if you yeah, didn't get almost, it Almost, right, but <laughs> it sounded good. Yeah. Uh, 400 billion. Uh, 400, jeez. Uh, the amount of... Uh, 
plastic bottles that are around <laughs> the planet that are not being recycled. Probably, but but no, that's yeah. not what I've got the number for. So 400 billion euros is the estimated worth of the Eiffel Tower. Wow. Yeah. Why is that? Is it um, gold? Made of I gold? Don't, I have no idea. But apparently the Eiffel Tower was originally intended to be built in Barcelona, not Paris. But the tower's design was rejected by the Spanish. Yeah, as they do. Well, that was a mistake. Yeah. All right. Last one, 14. I thought you were going to get to something there. Uh, 14. <laughs> um, 14 would be the amount of teams that have played so far in the World Cup. I actually don't know if that's true. That might be true. Say it confidently and they'll believe it. Yeah. No, no one has the time to fact check anymore. Oh, it is. Is it right? Is it no oh, way? Yeah. Really? You don't even get to tell me the, the whatever your question was because oh. I just shooting from the hip. Occasionally wow. you get it right, you know? Jeez. Okay, well, yes, but the one I had down was 14 is the biggest scoreline that the French national women's team have had, 14-0, twice against Algeria in 1998 and then again against Bulgaria in 2013. You know, interestingly enough, New Zealand's qualifying campaign was usually against sort of Oceania teams yeah. and those are pretty massive like scorelines. Yeah, like really, really big beatings on like teams. But I think it was Ali Riley or somebody that I had read an article where she was like, it actually is a an important thing for us because we're ambassadors for the sport. Yeah. And we go to these countries that don't even have football and they, they put together a team to play against us and we're hoping to like inspire the next generation of women in these countries, which was really cool. That is cool. Yeah. All right. So uh, that is it for today. Another day gone. Football Inside Out. We'll be back tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss out on an episode. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review. And get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. Send us emails and voice notes to football inside out at copa90.com we'd love to share it on the show and discuss whatever is on your mind and tweet us using the hashtag hashtag copa90 inside out that is it see you later copa90 football inside out subtle results still you but with fewer lines Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.